137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 250th episode of Pixelated Paranormal. I, of course, am Sean, and I am full of Bond Me meatballs, and with me, as always, is Presto. Uh, I still just have one hand, so, you know, I'm like a... <laughs> hey, it's something I'm about like a, being consistent. I'm like a salty pirate. <laughs> Fucking game. Just a bootleg pirate, man. You can't uh, even do anything. yeah. Oh wait, hold on. I'm 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 supposed to I'm supposed to do my normal. You know what's up, all you ghosts and ghostettes and crocodiles and crocodingos. Bro, with your Chris Elliott oh. looking ass hand from Scary Movie Two. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Daddy's still on pills. Yeah. <laughs> Crocodunes and crocodingo. Nice. <laughs> well, you also just heard the smooth dulcet sounds of Big Steven joining us for Big Two Fifty. Word up. I was usually in the back seat, but I've been in the trunk for a minute. <laughs> right. Oh, Battered shit. and bruised. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah, man. It's good to have you back from Famished. Uh, the beyond. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right, though. That's all right. Yeah. Um, Preston, anything new with you, buddy? Um, No, not really. You know. Yeah. Me, <laughs> me neither, really. I'm just looking at a mountain of toys from Baba Drock I need to put up on a shelf, but... Other than that, Flex. nothing new with me. Steve, get us up to date, buddy. How have you sure, been? Sure, it's been a minute. Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, so everybody knows what I do with my job. It can be quite stressful and quite challenging, especially in these days. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, so I just need to take some time for myself. I also uh, been finally going to therapy, which is a good thing. And Hell yeah. that's a challenging in itself but also rewarding in itself as well um i come to the come to the decision that when it comes to the podcast i felt that if i'm in a negative headspace it's not good to put the negativity out into the world so i felt like i don't contribute much even though the guys here say that i do and you know and i have other listeners that tell me that i do but i definitely wanted to get on here for this episode mainly for the number also you know, to start to stop to stop all uh you know, rumors and confusion that I've left the show. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I did get a it's couple been all over the headlines. I, know, I did get a couple text messages. Oh, uh, are you still on Pixel Permal? Because like people are hearing that we're getting ready to switch the feeds, et cetera, et cetera. So like right. they're like, Oh, I don't really see you mentioned much and so, you know, had to get on to set the motherfucker straight. That's right. Yeah. But other than that, well take care of yourselves, everybody, and uh, I'm not trying to be too preachy or nothing to bring, bring the mood down or whatnot, but, um, yeah, trying to be better, trying to do better and yeah, there you go. Perfect, man. Well, I mean, I'll piggyback on what you just said and argue that I think you bring a lot to the show, but if you get in that headspace where you're like, you know what, I need to break or if you don't feel into it, then I mean, by all means, taking time for yourself has been very important, you know, and, uh. Nobody wants to just show up and sit behind a microphone if they're not in the right mood for it. You clearly always have a spot here. Your uh, your back seat 
is always going to have your name on it, buddy. So don't you dare worry your pretty little head. Cool, man. I mean, Preston's a handy. Preston's a handicap. So you know, we put the handicap in the back. Gives him a little yeah, more room to yeah, spread out on there. Yeah, yeah. you, you know what? I I made uh, I made your guys's uh, trip to uh, town easier with the fucking handicap sticker. So you know, <laughs> you, you you two bitches should be grateful. Is what I'm trying to say. For real. You know, yeah. I got that. Uh, yeah. Dude, it is it is really nice when you do have a handicap, uh, you know, option when you have someone with you that's that needs a little extra help with the walking and stuff. It's really cool to be yeah. able to park closer. Hell yeah, dude! I mean, that's one thing we didn't do when Shayla had her knee surgery is we didn't even ask for a placard, but that thing would have come in handy. It would have countless times, yeah. man. Jeebus. People should utilize it if they if if they have it, you know, if they really have the disability. I know a lot of people run into that. They don't. They feel bad about using it. But if it's given to you for legit reasons, man, use it. Yeah, I mean that's what it's there, what for, it's there you for. You know what? This is a PSA podcast. <laughs> yeah, our opinions are our own. Do not. Ref- there you go. They do not directly reflect those of our sponsors. Uh, yeah. We have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here and there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we at least got big Dobbs, and uh, True. most of our views probably line up. You know, maybe, I don't know if all of them do, but any Hoozle, he's cut from the same cloth. But anyway, it is episode 250, and um, I just want to say thanks to you two guys and to Rob um, for just being here for the whole ride. 250-plus episodes we've done, and it's been a fun ride. That's a lot of episodes. Uh, the future's looking bright, you know. We're going to get this new feed going and get that all up to speed. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I just want to say thanks to you guys, you know, for being there with me and for taking on this little hobby and project with me. It's just been nothing but a, a good time. Oh, for sure, thanks. Man. Well, same goes to you, man. Pro- well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. But not pressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck that guy. Dropping yeah, the bars. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did a pretty good job of that yourself. He probably. won't. Yeah, he won't remember all this yeah. in the morning with all them fucking pills he's on. <laughs> Uh, Well, by the title, you may have guessed it. This episode is Yokai Part 2. And we've had a lot of people comment on episode 162. That's where we did a little dive into the yokai. It was a lot of fun. We barely scratched the surface. So on this episode, the main crux will be another dive into another handful of interesting, dare I say, sexy Japanese spirit slash demons, but before that, you know, pixelated paranormal. We also love ourselves some pop culture. So up first in the news, we gotta talk about the killer clowns from outer space returning back into the headlines and Let's back go. into the pop culture scene. There's a brand new vinyl score from John uh, Masari that. Waxwork Records just put out. It actually sold out rather quickly, so that's rad. Steve and I both. Fuck yeah, we did, son. Let's go. It's so yeah, nice. It's... Speaking of which, yeah. I'm looking right at my my. Uh, I got I got the poster in my front room, <clears throat> but I also have uh, the computer mat, the mouse mat, mouse pad mat of like that all the horror figures, and right there in the yeah. middle is Killer Clowns. Let's go. Fuck that yeah, dude. vinyl is awesome, man. The artwork's great. Uh, the bright cotton candy colored oh god so perfect yeah it's it's outstanding presto i take it you've obviously seen the movie yeah yeah i mean it's been awesome. like uh i don't know like seven years eight years nine years um, <laughs> you know 
It's been a hot minute, but... (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, and I mean, clearly by the namesake of the podcast, we are all, you know, big gamers. And that's the big news I want to talk about here is outside of, you know, the film score dropping on vinyl, there's going to be a brand new video game dropping from TerraVision in 2023, which is going to be fucking fantastic because, you know, with the success of the ill-fated Friday the 13th, game, which I still argue is one of the best horror movie games of all times, um, and then also the Evil Dead game. There's so many others coming out now that are those asymmetric video games yeah. for horror fans, uh, killer clowns, out of nowhere, out of left field. They made a big announcement that they got a video game coming, which is just going to be fucking awesome. Well, do you know why um, all this happened? Like, all of a sudden, the vinyl, then the video game news dropped, then the the talks of a future film. Do you, like, do you know why all this is happening? Well... The vinyl actually was supposed to be out last year. And again, this is not vinyl talk, you know, but we'll clear that up pretty quick. But no, it was supposed to come out actually last year, but then there's a big vinyl shortage and they couldn't no, get I'm records pressed like on time. The but... property itself. Oh, no. Huh? So, like, I don't really know because I don't have it in front of me. I tried looking forward to game on Facebook, but uh, Joel, our buddy Joel. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he goes into, a, he, he shared an article a while back, base, or whenever the game was announced and stuff. Basically, whoever owns the licensing for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it mm-hmm. got sold or something got freed up to where now they can start marketing again. That's why at Spirit Halloween you're seeing so much merch. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Last year you had the dancing yeah. Killer Clowns. And this year yeah. it's, I mean, everything from costumes to party plates to everything. Um, so they're yeah they're really going all out with that nostalgia for that and like the goofiness of it, and then like the the video game itself will no one really knows much about it but they were kind of when they were interviewing at Gamescom basically, um, it'll be you know su- survivors versus clowns and then but there's gonna be more AI built into the game as well kind of like Evil Dead did. Uh, with different yeah. things in the thing. So, like, the clowns will have to abduct citizens, wrap them in the cotton candy cocoons, and then the survivors will have to come take them down, et cetera, probably. But it looks pretty cool. I'm definitely I'm definitely excited for it. Fuck yeah. Well, and I know, like, there's been talks of doing another film for quite a while, and that kind of comes and goes, but... Um, and you mentioned the Marcel the Shell with shoes on, right? Yes. Or did you not? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but that so, that was what he that that was also why the success of that too because they freed that they have something to do with this movie too. I remember. Yeah, the, the one of the Chiodo brothers has to do with the animation of the new Marcel the Shell with shoes on, and one of the lead animators had actually worked with the Chiodo brothers. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, on that a name Netflix. is so hilarious to me because there's a band called Chiodo's <laughs> Brothers. And they're like a oh, straight funny. edge band from back in <laughs> back in the emo days. <laughs> so I hear every time I hear that name, I just think of that band. But Well, what's interesting is they help with a Netflix special about like I forget what it's called, Alien Christmas. Um, but it's like a little computer animated movie about aliens and elves on Christmas. And he helped one of them help with the animations. They met one of the lead animators and then yeah. they're working together again. So like, that's the thing too, is they're kind of just coming out of, you know, this obscurity and doing all these projects and people are like, Oh my God, they've been working this whole time. They just hadn't used that property for anything. Yeah. That's cool. We'll keep it. Yeah. Keep it prosthetics, costumes, et cetera. And we'll, and we'll be yep. golden. Yeah, that's what I think, man. Well, speaking of killer clowns, let's jump into the next news story. 
Folks, it looks like creepy clowns are popping back up yet again and stalking children throughout the town. Police were recently called after a couple kids were stalked by a creepy clown, promoting fears of the killer clown trend from just a few years back. Police were called to Hampton Pier in Hearn Bay, Kent in the United Kingdom after a 17-year-old and his friends said they were creepily followed by a clown who walked quickly behind them before then crouching behind a wall out of sight. In a Facebook post, one of the moms of the boys wrote, My 17-year-old son has come home with a friend and they have both been followed along Hampton Pier to just pass the park by somebody dressed in a full clown outfit. They were acting strangely, walking fast behind them, hiding and crouching behind the seawall, and acting creepily like they were acting out a killer clown. She went on to say, My son and his friends hid for a couple minutes, and this clown was just stood by the park along the seawall, swaying side to side. They tried to take a video, but it was too dark. Mm, so convenient. keep an eye out, folks. That killer clown craze might just be coming back along with the movie. <clears throat> Bullshit. And you, and you said that uh, this took place in Great Britain, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, God. United Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the United Kingdom. That is uh, the home of uh, Sam the Sandown Clown. So maybe... Oh, Maybe maybe it was old Sam and not uh, some you know fucking idiot dressing up in a costume. Dude, I mean, this could be, this okay. could be a real life paranormal event right here. First off, huh. the article is talking about how back in 2016, people dressed as clowns were spotted across the UK and US. All right, it made sense. It was announced. It was coming out, and you know, 2017. Um, I, I, I the world has changed dramatically from then and now. Don't do this. You're lucky it's oh, only yeah. doing it in Britain right now because they don't have guns. Yep. Stop this shit. It's not cute. Yeah. It's not TikTok views. Like I'm it's not creepy. Like it's not it's dumb. It's stupid. And you're just gonna get somebody killed. Sorry. <laughs> like, I just, no, you're fine. I, I, I mean, it drives it drives me crazy, man. Like I at first it was cute, but it's like, dude, there's so much people are so on edge, man. I mean yeah, you know, we just had a shooting near our house. Like it's people are way, uh, yeah. way too crazy, and they're everybody's looking for a reason to explode. Don't give them that reason by trying to do something, a prank, a gimmick. Like it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth your life. Like you said, this is just a PSA episode, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Warning: Don't do this at home. That's really a fool's errand to try to do that shit. Well, our next news story is a shout-out to Big John Wiener. Uh-oh. <laughs> An Ohio man is now awake from being in a coma after suffering at least 20,000 bee stings Fuck. last week. Austin Bellamy, 20 years old from Ohio, was was in a tree trimming branches with his grandmother and uncle below when he unknowingly cut through a bee's nest. His grandmother, Phyllis Edwards, Damn. told the news station that bees swarmed out of the nest when he started cutting them and had difficulties anchoring himself to the tree. He was hollering, help, help me, help, and nobody would help him. I was going to try to climb the tree ladder and help Austin. I see how high he was, but I couldn't get to him because I was surrounded in bees. Bellamy's mother, Shauna Carter, described the attack as looking like her son had a black blanket Ugh. from his head to his neck and then further down onto his arm. It's like when Steve put all them bees on his nuts and dick and the newest jackass. Ugh. Terrible. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. 
Well, both Bellamy's grandmother and uncle were also attacked by bees, mentioning that they left stingers that were roughly one inch long all over them and Austin. Oh, oh man, yeah. Dude. When I rubbed his head on Friday before they airlifted him away, he felt like he was becoming a porcupine. That's how pokey they were. Oh, God. Bellamy's family said he was stung at least 20,000 times during the frightening attack, and his mother added oh. that he ingested approximately 30 bees as well. She said her son suffered a kidney failure, and medical officials had to suck the bees out of his airways over the weekend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Bellamy, yeah. who's previously in a coma at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, will make a full recovery from the attack. Is P- it? PS- PSA to anybody who's listening, if you suffer from more than 10,000 bee stings, make sure a loved one knows to rub your body down in rubbing alcohol so that it shrinks your pores and pops the stingers out so that uh, you don't fucking die. PSA, so, bitch, mm. let's go! <laughs> Dude, so... I don't really know much about bees, but I would assume because, like, like I said earlier, like in the Jackass, in the Jackass show, they Steve-O did that thing with the bees on his genitalia, and then, but they weren't actively angry stinging. So there's a difference between because like people will get their like whole arm, oh, and, you know, yeah. their whole arm or even body in case with bees, and nothing happens unless they feel threatened. This dude <laughs> sawed into an entire nest. And then they felt threatened, so it was even more intense. And it's crazy the story happened because I was playing The Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt, and uh-huh. I was playing the game, and like I was looking around, and uh, that game is really bad for um, OCD. Like, have to collect them all because you'll just go through tons of things to loot. So I'm getting oh, a sure. a a a a over this, and then I go to a tree, and I see I thought there was something on the side of it that would let me uh, mess with it. Well, when I mess with it, instead of collecting the honey. It actually uh, it dropped or something or fell, and then I became surrounded with bees. And no matter how much ointment or uh, potions I took, I I ended up dying. Like it just it just continuously drained and drained and drained until you died. Like there's no there's no way to not die from it. <laughs> like if so, it's weird that I got this story right after that happened in the video game today. Weird. Uh, yeah, I God, that's gonna hurt. So, I couldn't imagine when I was a so kid. Badly. Um, I remember I was really young. I don't remember it too much. But I've heard the story, but I remember the pain. Um, what happened is I was really young and I had, they had a, a can of Pepsi and a bee had flown into like, was getting some of the sweet shit off the, the lid of the, the pop can sugar. We call that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I went and I didn't know. And I went and took, when I took a drink, it bit me on the lip and then stung I stung you on the lip. I, yeah. It got me on the lip. And then I, the, the Pepsi, Got it into my mouth and it went into my oh. into my throat and stung my throat Crap. and I started I started suffocating. It was wild. oh my god! Yeah, it was wild. They had to give me somebody some person there at the park had to give me mouth to mouth until the ambulance got there. It was crazy for I, real. Yeah. and we've never heard this story until now. All I remember is just the just the like the the, the sting pain. I don't remember much of anything else. Just hearing the story. Man, you've been holding, you've been, it's amazing what therapy will do, bro. Yeah. Get you all these fucking memories coming back, son. <laughs> you've been holding <laughs> out. Goddamn. <laughs> little I little Steven Wiener. Fuck that bee, dude. <laughs> little Steven Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that bee, bro. Uh, I have uh, I've spit out my share of bees as well. Even a can of you know pop sitting out, and then going to take a drink of it, and like, what the hell's that? And then yeah, I've spit a couple bees out from uh, when I was a kid. Bastards. 
Uh, a friend of mine just drinks, got stung man. on the hand by a. <laughs> a friend of mine just got stung on the hand uh, by a wasp mm. yesterday. He was at his grandma's uh, swimming in her pool before she covered it up for the summer. And he said a wasp flew in, landed in the water, and he looked over and saw it. And he's like, oh, I'm going to help that little wasp. And he scooped it up, you know, in a handful of water. And as he was getting ready to dump it on the side of the concrete uh, beside the pool, it stung him in the hand and then fell off and crawled out of the water puddle. I have no sympathy. Mm-hmm. Why did you Where touch did the fucking you? wasp? I don't know, man. Natural selection. No good, you land in the water, <laughs> you're done. You can't figure... Uh, <laughs> I'm not touching the wasp. I'm not getting stung. I might help... I mean, I'll definitely help like a cat or a dog or something, you know, but like a wasp? Mm-hmm. Nah, man. I was on Reddit on the Human <laughs> Being Bros subreddit, and there's a really fun little video of a guy who saved a squirrel from drowning squirrel, in his pool. Yeah, I've seen that, and he's just like passing yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it gets out and just goes to sleep face, from exhaustion. He like, are, he's like, are you alive? And he like touches it and it's like, oh, what? And he like, just keeps fading <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yep. It was very sad, but cute in a way. Yeah. I mean, he said the squirrel was okay because I was kind of waiting for one of those little lad label videos where like his fun little music behind it, little squirrel passes out from exhaustion and then maybe the next scene is him like, and now they're best friends and Charlie the squirrel comes over every Sunday for a handful of acorns. No, I just faded the black. <laughs> well, well, to finish no things pale. out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's finish things off and go back to England to Manchester. Now, I'm going to basically just uh, summarize what happens here because the article is written kind of shadily. But basically, Joshua Dobson was on the run from the police because he stole a car, went to a gas station, got petrol, and then didn't pay for the gasoline either. So this guy's really out for a double whammy. Well, he went on a police chase, evaded the police, ditched the car, and then ran into a neighboring house to hide from the police. Well, when the police started searching houses looking for the suspect, they couldn't seem to find anybody in any of the houses besides those who actually belonged there, right? Well, as one of the police officers was looking around, he noticed a big-ass giant stuffed bear seemed to be breathing very slowly every time the police looked at it. Well, as it turns out, Dobson cut a hole in the bottom of this bear and crawled inside to hide from police. And you guys can see the picture of this dopey little stuffed bear. Yeah, he just Dr. Giggles that fucking bear. <laughs> Dr. Right Giggles. Inside. I just got that from <laughs> my video the other day. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so they say now he is stuffed behind bars after being sentenced last week for the theft of a motor vehicle, driving while disqualified, and making off from a petrol station without payment. Yeah, he just straight up sliced that bear's booty hole and climbed right inside. Dude, if I was a judge, I'd be like, all right, man, you're going to get a little bit of time off for creativity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you off with a warning, a very strict warning and a stern finger shaking. Of course, somebody from the UK is this clever. I love it, man. And the thing is, like, everybody knows. It's like something out of a Ricky Gervais skit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everybody knows if you're hiding from somebody underneath a pile of blankets, you hold your breath. But then again, if you just got done doing like a high speed mm-hmm. chase and then like, you know, f- trying to find a house to break into, you probably had some extreme adrenaline and just couldn't help but just sit there going <sighs> inside that fucking teddy bear. Oh, uh, well, props for creativity. Truth. 
Well, boys, way back on episode 162, we did a lengthy episode all about the Japanese folklore of the yokai. And people not only loved it, but they also asked us to do a follow-up. So here we are, almost 100 episodes later. Now, the first one I want to talk about is called the Gasha Dokuro, which I aptly am pronouncing wrong. Also, it's great because people commented on the YouTube video calling out our poor mispronunciation. And I wanted to comment back, have you not listened to our show? Yeah. But the Gasha Dakuro, this one actually is a throwback to our previous yokai episode where, presto, you referenced your interest in yokai is partially due to a wood block print called Takisha the Witch and the Skeleton Spectre circa ni- uh, sorry, 1844 by the artist Uragawa Kuniyoshi. Looks like a cuphead boss. It kind of does, right? (laughs) Um, And this print is really slick. It's got a female wearing a kimono kind of hiding behind a torn up wall of this hut. And then uh, two cowering samurai and a big ass skeleton leaning in the wall that he just ripped down. Well, that actual image has been used in countless video games and countless um, anime as well. Well, Presto, buddy. Uh, Castlevania number one. What game's that? I'm yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Presto, we should have done. All right, some stop the fuck. Art. No, stop the fucking car. Kick him out. He doesn't. He doesn't know Castlevania. He nope. Can't do it anymore. Sorry. Yeah. We're firing, we're firing actually, Steve. <laughs> you lied on your application. Yeah. All right. No, I don't that game, man. That shit's whack. Well, Pre- Even Capcom don't give a shit about that game or Konami whoever owns it. Yeah, I mean, how do you make something that's amazing even better? You know, you can't beat perfection. Well, Presto, we should have done some reading further into that giant skeleton yokai because it's actually a pretty badass specter with an even more badass story behind it. So again, in the image you talked about previously, the princess recites a spell written on a hand scroll, summoning a giant skeleton. And this monstrosity busts out the black void, crashing its way through a tattered palace, And then its gnarly bony fingers are reaching down to simply terrorize a couple samurai. And in the print, we see two cowering samurai and a giant skeleton sticking its torso up through the side of the house, getting ready to kill the two samurai. And it's pretty terrifying because the Gasha Dokuro takes the form of a gigantic skeleton and are said to be about 15 times larger than the average person, So that means if we were to guess that uh, this thing's got to be 82 feet tall because the average height of a person back then was probably right around 5 foot 6 inches. So these things are giant sized, even bigger than the 12 foot tall yard decorations from Home Depot that they were selling a few years ago. You guys remember those things? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, this year, uh, this is not a sponsored episode from Home Depot, but they have a giant pumpkin skeleton this year, which is awesome. And they also have like a 15-foot Grim Reaper. But anyway, the ones at Home Depot were selling were 12 feet tall. So these yokai are seven times as tall as the Home Depot skeletons. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Go big, go home. <laughs> anyway, these giant skeletons are said to be created from combining the remains of soldiers that have died in battle, whose bodies rot in the fields and also victims of famine who die unknown in the wilderness. They rarely receive proper funeral rites. Well, unable to pass on, the angry souls of those who were not provided with proper burial rites 
are reborn as hungry, pissed-off ghosts, longing eternally for the lives they once had before. Their bodies died with the anger and the pain still in their hearts, and it's that energy that remains long after their death and even longer after the flesh is rotted away from their bones, thus powering the animated skeletons. And as their bodies decay, their anger ferments into a powerful supernatural grudge against any living soul, and that grudge is what twists them into a supernatural force. Well, when the bones of hundreds of victims gather together in one mass, they then can form into a humongous skeletal monster known as the yokai Gasha Dukuro. They wander around towering over the countryside in the darkest hours of the night, searching for something to curve their hunger, kind of like the Wendigo. And if they should happen upon a human out alone traveling at night on the roads, the yokai will silently creep up and catch their victims, crushing them with their giant bony hands and biting off their heads, guzzling down the blood spraying out like a giant soda pop. Ironically discarding those bodies into the earth so that they too may lay in ferment in hate and anger. So it's kind of like you're just, you know, refueling yourself for later. But dear listeners, if you find yourselves traveling alone late at night, there's always a way to know if you're being stalked by the Gasha de Kuro. If you find yourself with a chill running down your spine and that familiar feeling of being watched, listen for the telltale sound of a large ringing caused by the rattling of large teeth, because as it walks along the countryside, the beast's teeth can be heard jiggling around, rattling inside the hollow skull. But don't be surprised if you can't see the towering behemoth out in the moonlight, because the Gasha de Kuro are also said to possess the power of invincibility and indestructibility, since it's composed mostly out of just bones of people who are already deceased. You can't kill the beast, so all you can do once you hear the sound of the teeth rattling around is to run like hell and try to hide. Because you can't kill the Gasha de Kuro, it's already dead. Thus, no matter what you try to do to bring it down, it will continue hunting its prey until all that pent-up anger has completely burned up, like some kind of paranormal petrol, because only after it spent all its energy will the bones then crumple back up, causing the Gasha de Kuro to collapse in its tracks, and only then will you be safe. But where the heck did these big old bad boys come from? Well... Oh, yeah, go ahead. So go ahead. in the Discord chat, I posted um, these two links. Um, should be different links, yeah. Uh, so there's these video games called Neo, N-I-O-H. Mm-hmm. They're done by, I think, Bandai Namco, I think. Uh, Bandai Namco. And it's currently on PC and PlayStation consoles. And this is Yokai the Game. All the enemies in the... It's a Souls-like game, so Mm -hmm. extremely hard, based on stamina, blocking, parrying, shit like that. Uh, But it's like, you should see some of these characters, man. It's fucking outrageous. Pretty slick, huh? Yeah, and it's got all all the big ones. But it doesn't have this one from that painting. Because I was like, man, that'd be so cool to see that in video game form. But So I put the two links up here. You should see some some of these pictures of these beasts. It's just... That would be fucking awesome. Yeah, this game is gorgeous, but, you know, I don't 
fuck with these games that much because they're just so hard. <laughs> but, they're abusive, yeah. Yeah, they're, but, but it's really cool. <laughs> I respect the hell out of them. So. so if you're looking for a game about yokai, check out Neo, N-I-O-H. Get in on that Japanese horror shit. Fuck yeah. I'll probably watch some YouTube videos at least, man. Yeah, I want to see how they really portray cool. these things, man. Well, folks, let's jump into story time, shall we? One of the first known myths of the Gashidakuro dates back to 10th century Japan, where a prominent samurai named Masakado, from the Kanto region, was ambushed one day by his three cousins, all of whom were quarreling over the marriage interest of the same woman. While outraged by this act of treachery, Masakado retaliated by burning down the residences of all three cousins, Accidentally killing, though, his uncle named Kunika. He's so angry over trying to get the same girl, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Disgusting. Small dude. villages, so, man. Like, come on, man. Another samurai named Yoshimasa, who was either Masakado's parental uncle or cousin, wanted to avenge Kunika and challenge Masakado to a duel, but soon lost after the battle even began. So after losing the duel, an embarrassed Yoshimasa called up Yoshikane for, you know, help in this case, because he's got his ass beat. <laughs> so much drama. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <Samurai days. laughs> yep. Well, it's a small village, so it just happens that uh, Yoshikane was yet another one of Masakado's cousins. All in the family. And guess what he did? If you guys put your money on also fought for the love of the same woman, you guessed it. Yes, everybody in the village was in love with oh the same God, girl. Oh my God, what is in this? What is in the water for this woman? Well, there's one woman in the entire village, and she's not related to Masakado, thank God. <laughs> so everybody's just fighting. It's <laughs> wild. Well, Yoshikane was also the assistant governor for the Kazusa province. And he gathered up as many warriors as he could and waged a battle on Masakado, who only had about a hundred poorly equipped soldiers in his village to fight back on this massive invasion. Yet, Masakado was still able to inflict heavy casualties on Yoshikane and Yosh Yoshimasa's forces, thus estimating to be over a thousand soldiers strong. So even being outnumbered ten to one, Masakado was just an all-around badass. Well, a few years after this all went down, Yoshikane, anxious to avenge his humiliating defeat, once again battled with Masakado, and this time, Masakado was injured in the fight and tried to flee with his wife, Yoshikane's daughter, but was unsuccessful. So it sounds like he didn't even get to marry this chick, but he ends up marrying Yoshikane's daughter just to be like, nah. Wow. Well, in the year 19... 139. Masakado started a minor rebellion referred to as the Tangyo Disturbance, where he formed an attack on one of the central government's outposts in Hitachi province, and then later that same year he conquered the Shimosuku and Kozuku provinces, claiming the title of the new emperor. The government in Kyoto acknowledged the attacks as a revolt and then put a bounty on old Masakado's head. Well, a year later in the year 940, his cousins, Satomori, and a dude named Hirasato waged another big-ass war on Masakado, 
and his villages and managed to capture and decapitate Masakado and took his head all the way to the capital in Kyoto as a reward. He's like, yo, you want to go fuck up my cousin? Bet. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that Masakado's daughter, Takiyasha Hime, happened to be a famous and powerful sorceress who was infuriated at the killing of her father because this simply, well, just disrespected him by murdering him. Mm. So, being the all-around badass HBIC, a.k.a. head bitch in charge, she conjured up the furs Gashadurkuro by casting a curse over the bones of those who had recently died in the battle where her father had fallen. And because fuck those assholes that killed her dad, she sent the hulking skeleton giant to take revenge and unleashed it on Kyoto. It ravaged the city until Masakado's head was then moved back to the palace called Shibisaki, which is a fishing village that eventually became Tokyo. The head then became a sort of demigod there with a grave still standing by where Tokyo Imperial Palace sits today. So, yeah, she basically just summoned up a fucking kaiju skeleton and just said, fuck you to everybody in Kyoto. Well, we shouldn't be too concerned for these giant kaiju skeletons these days because of the large amount of dead bodies required to form a single Gasha Dakuro. These abominations are much rarer today than they were in the earlier days due to there being less wars and a lot less famine in modern everyday life compared to back in the 10th century. Well, after that little story time, I know what you guys are all thinking. Sure, giant cannibalistic skeletons are cool and all, but this is your 250th episode. You guys are probably thinking things would get a little, mmm, sexier, huh? Mm. Don't worry, well, I'm bringing the sexy at the end. Okay, hey, don't worry, buddy. I'm going to warm him up, and then you're going to knock him <laughs> down, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, well, judging by Preston's uh, forewarning, we're going to spice things up for you. This next one was brought to our attention by Chelsea, and at the time of recording episode 162, we had no clue this thing existed, but it was pretty eye-opening, and we had to make sure we included on the next episode about yokai. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Shirimi, a.k.a. the Buttock Eyeball Ghost. What a great name. Oh, I know, right? Late one evening, a lone samurai was walking along the empty streets of Kyoto when he began to hear the sound of footsteps echoing down the cobblestone. Casually turning around, though, there was no one to be seen in the streets around him. So the samurai shrugged off the noise, assuming it was just a drunk stumbling down the street, a drunk. Or, maybe a <laughs> or maybe a local shop owner returning to their storefront. And thus he continued on his way, with his sword always at the ready by his side, he made his way down the street. Until he heard the sound of footsteps falling on the street behind him again. Quickly gripping the handle of his sword, he spun around, yet again, seeing only an empty street. So again, slightly confused, he turned back around, setting back on his way, but he took only a few more steps before hearing the sound of quickening footsteps, followed by a voice calling out to him, Please, uh, please wait! 
This time, the samurai unsheathed his sword and spun around, ready to defend himself against the phantom-like antagonist. But he only saw the figure of a short, average-built man wearing an ornate kimono, walking up the cobblestone towards him from about 50 feet away. Feeling his nerves sharpening, the samurai scoffed and asked what this person wanted. Now, the figure now began to slow its pace, cautiously approaching the samurai as if it were now scared of the sword that he brandished. Well, the samurai took notice of the cautiousness of this man approaching and again scoffed and put away his sword, no longer feeling any threat from this small man. But suddenly as the man came closer to the samurai, he was baffled to see the man didn't have any facial features. There were no eyes, no nose, not even a mouth from which the call for help could have come from. And then before the samurai could move from his bewildered-like trance, the faceless entity reached down and lifted up his kimono, showing the samurai its genitals. Look at my nuts. Ex <laughs> Except it had no sexual organs either, only a oh. smooth area where the penis or vagina should have been. The air surrounding the samurai began to grow stale and he felt confusion begin to fill his head. His thoughts were swimming around of what the hell this thing was and what the hell was going on. When suddenly the strange creature quickly turned around, bent over, and again lifted up the kimono, revealing its butt cheeks, which it teasingly began to slap. And after a few playful spankings, it grabbed both butt cheeks, one in each hand, and with buttocks high in the air, it pulled apart the cheeks to reveal one large, single, bright, blinking eyeball right where the anus should have been. The samurai looked on in horror as the creature's one big eyeball stared straight back at him from between two rosy butt cheeks. And then, as anyone would do in this moment, the samurai let out a loud shriek of terror, turned around, and ran for his life in the opposite direction. In Japanese folklore, it's mentioned that the shirimi has the physique of a human being and wears a kimono to look more like a human from afar, which thus helps it to entice people. However, it tends to hide its face, which is completely blank of any normal features. Now, this particular fact about this demon makes it even more terrifying to think about, because just how exactly can the shirimi see if it has no face? Which makes me wonder, is this thing just skulking around in alleyways, bent over with its little butt cheeks spread apart, watching passers-by with its one big eye? Wondering eye. Whispering eye. <laughs> Whispering eye. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought about that and laughed. <laughs> the Shirimi has a set of criteria when attempting to scare people, though. So here it is. Take some notes so that maybe you aren't victim of its <clears throat> bizarre staring contest. <laughs> Shirimi only appear during the night, making it... <laughs> now my doggy's snoring. Shirimi only appears during the night, making it easier to spot a target especially someone traveling alone. It wears a kimono to make sure it looks like a normal human being and entices people by calling out to them from behind. When the person moves towards Shirimi, it shows its blank face and immediately turns around to show the eyeball in its butt. The eyeball keeps glowing and staring until the person runs away in fear, and thus they lose the staring contest, but 
they leave with the consolation prize of being scarred for the rest of their life. No shit. It would be so creepy. I'd be like, just take me, please, because I don't ever want to remember this. No shit. Yeah, just put me out of my misery. And then I also discovered real quick here that the eyeball butthole demon also has a cousin known as the Nopirabu. This relative of the Shirimi is called Nopirabu. And in Japanese legend, the Nopirabu is known to be a yokai that's faceless just like the Shirimi. However, the way that Nopirabu scares people is completely different from the pervy actions of its cousin Shirimi. The scenario is usually the same, except the Nopirabu is said to actually have facial features just like that of a human. But once it finally approaches the victim, it scares people by simply taking its hand and wiping away its face. Shaking its faceless head at the unsuspecting person while it howls with laughter. This thing is so not also, in that game. It's no? Because that would be a fucking amazing. <laughs> that would be so good. And maybe it's like a little hidden creature that you find like if you just go exploring alleyways like it just pops out it'd be hilarious like, if like it's in the game and no one's found it yet it's like that easter egg that like no one's found and it's the, the devs, one thing in your bestiary just that just like, has ah, question marks by it <laughs> I just want to get that last achievement where it says I find all the yokai and there's one I can't seem to find and all of a sudden boom butthole with an eyeball oh man <laughs> well Preston I'm gonna set the bet here with eyeball butthole yokai what did you bring to the table, buddy? Well, I'm going to start off my segment by asking Sean and Steve. Uh, it's a personal but important question. Do your balls have superpowers? And can they do anything special? Or, guys, are they just good old-fashioned man balls? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get into some biology classes and some, I don't know philosophical things but i mean they do kind of create life so it's kind of magical <laughs> so steve that, has ma- magical balls sean I your balls say that magical just balls under the umbrella of regular old man balls yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just every everybody gets that automatically so yeah it's just regular just <laughs> no super balls over here well let's take a moment and talk about the super powered amaze balls or terrific testicles of the Tananuki. So Tananuki's teabagging humans are occasionally mistaken for the silhouettes of carp. Tananuki sometimes sell their testicles despite the magnitude of their own. (laughs) Tananuki's testicles make fine turtle costumes. What? Tananuki testicles can scare the shit out of your friends. And they can be used to make delicious mochi. Ooh. They are I think so it's called tanuki. <laughs> yeah. I, I they're so ambiguous that tanukis go to sideshows to laugh at tiny testicle tanukis. Like oh, <laughs> look at that. Jerry's got little little balls over there. <laughs> they're just they, fucking assholes. Yeah. They can be used as warm blankets. So I mean you're out in the middle of the Japanese forest and you get cold one night, their balls just turn into just blankets. That old bat wing. Yeah. <laughs> the old bat wing, yep. Their testicles are an excellent substitute for a sumo wrestling ring. So I mean I mean WWE style, like you could just pop your balls up and be like, Come on, let's wrestle, buddies. And my <laughs> so favorite 
is they can bludgeon a catfish to death. Like, you can use them huh. as a weapon. Now, They're noodling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it just a catfish? Yeah. You just, like, whip the, his nuts out and he's like, I'm going to beat this catfish to death with my nuts. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes you got to be able to catch your dinner, you know? And uh, that's after how something they do else. it. Yeah. Why do you got to go after now, a catfish? It's low I'm hanging gonna butcher, fruit. <laughs> low hanging fruit. I'm going to butcher this. Bottom the alter, alternate names for the tanuke could be baka danuki, also referred as to majuini or mammy in some areas. They like uh, to live in the mountains and forests found throughout Japan, and they're carnivorous. They feed on small, wild animals with a fondness for alcohol. My man. I think I like these guys. <laughs> now, the tanuki rivals the kitsune for the most well-known animal yokai, sometimes called the raccoon dog in English. The tanuki, in fact, is a unique species of East Asian canine that resemble a badger or a raccoon. These shy nocturnal animals can be found all over the Japanese isles. Tanuki statues are popular decorations in homes and shops, and they are beloved not only for their cuteness, but also for tales of mischief and trickery associated with them. And they, they also were featured in that song from Limp Biscuit. I did it all for Tanuki! <laughs> yes. <laughs> And you can take this cookie and shove it up your ass. Anyways, they possess. <laughs> don't put your eye out. They possess powerful magical abilities. They are similar to Kitsune in their superb ability to change shape, and they have a jovial nature, despite or and delight in playing tricks on humans. Aside from their powerful abilities to change their shape, perhaps the most famous attributes that the Tanuki possess is their massive malleable, <laughs> magical testicles, which they can adapt to any need. That's right, their testicles can be used as weapons, drums, fans to keep cool, fishing nets, and even umbrellas. It's the Often MacGyver tanuki... of the nutsack, and it's like Swiss yes! Army nutsack. It is. It's just fucking elephantitis. Yeah. <laughs> Often, uh, the tanuki incorporate their testicles into their disguise. Um, they, you know, they can become a shopkeeper, and its testicles transform into the shop. <laughs> Or perhaps uh, they're, they're a little bit tired uh, walking, so uh, their testicles become a palaquin, complete with servants to cart the tanuki from place to place. And, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of like the weird fo folklore history side of it. There is a nursery rhyme, like, you know how we teach kids, like, the, you know, the Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall? Well, mm -hmm. in Japan, they have a nursery rhyme for the uh, tanuki uh, that children learn, and it's... Tan tan tanuki no katima wa kazmoni no ni bura bura, which mm. means uh, tan tan tanuki's balls, even when there is no wind, they swing. They swing. <laughs> now, Meanwhile, we just have a guy from Nantucket. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, ancient religions of uh, the Japanese Isles, tanuki were considered gods and rulers all over things in nature. But with the introduction of Buddhism, they gradually lost their status. Like other magical animals, they took on roles of messengers of the gods and guardians of local areas. While tanuki are not generally feared or considered malicious, they are not entirely harmless either. Like humans, each one is unique and a unique individual. While many tanuki are jovial do-gooders who love to, you know, uh, the company of humans, some local tales tell of horrible tanuki who snatch humans to eat or spirit them away to become servants of the gods. 
Oh wow! Yeah, the most intelligent and magically Tanookis. Yeah, adapt Tanooki <laughs> have been known to adopt human names and practices such as gambling, drinking, and even administration and religious activities. Many go through their whole lives living among humans without ever being detected, and in human form, the Tanuki have proven to be as corruptible as the humans they emulate. Some Tanuki have even have well-earned reputations as thieves, drunkards, liars, and cheats. Fucking assholes. <laughs> Additionally, many use their shape-shifting powers to transform into stones, trees, statues, and even ordinary household items in order to play tricks on people. They mimics. Yeah. Ooh. Some even transform into giant, horrible monsters, either to terrorize humans for pleasure or to scare them away from places they shouldn't be. Naughty to Nookie. <laughs> Can I yeah. hit that as a ringtone? Yeah. <laughs> they're mostly nice, but there's some assholes out there. Yeah. Like yeah. Jesus. Huh. Well, buddy, this would not be pixelated paranormal. If we didn't mention the Tanuki suit in Super Mario 3. Overrated, overrated, overrated. MC oh, Kids, I loved it, MC man. Kids is better. That's right, Rob. I'm bringing it back. No, Super Mario 3 is a fucking high, <laughs> one of the highest rated games of all time for good reason. I like that deep cut, <laughs> MC Kids. Oh, dude, I love that game. And that game is such a Super Mario 3 ripoff in the worst ways. Yeah, you got uh, it though, right? Don't you have a copy oh, of it? Oh, yeah, I love that game. Hell yeah. Well, the Tanuki suit or Tanuki costume is a fairly uncommon item found in Super Mario 3, although that was my favorite suit in Super Mario 3, and also featured in some of the remakes, but basically you guys remember you get that special green leaf, mm -hmm. and it gave you flight power similar to the raccoon form, but I think if you hit up on the D-pad or whatever you did, you turn into a little statue, and it shows little Tanuki there with his magic wand and holding his hand out for a coin. And then enemies would walk past you, and if you jumped up high enough, you could turn into your statue form and take out just about any enemy in the game. Mm -hmm. So what is the well, what is the purpose of the uh, the statue? Like Preston was saying, transform yourself well, into stones, trees, statue. I mean that the, the Tanuki yokai just they turn themselves into stuff to evade people or to fool people, or just to cause you know confusion. So that's mm -hmm. where that lore goes into Mario is by having that suit, if you're being, you know, chased by an enemy or whatever, you can turn to the uh, statue, yeah. and thus the turtle or Goomba will walk right past you, because they're like, oh, that's just a regular statue. Where'd he go? So, me, oh, okay. So, me, it was, uh, and obviously with Miyamoto and Nintendo Japan, all that shit, it yeah. makes sense. Uh, just mm -hmm. wish Miyamoto mm -hmm. had the balls. To put Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so also, weird. why couldn't the statue of Mario have two big gonads? Well, because then we'd all be looking like that little Koopa right there, looks looking back like, huh? What the huh? fuck? Look at the that would have been a, balls. That, that would have been a great instead of like a fireball. If you're in the Tanuki suit, like your balls are <laughs> just like Stretch Armstrong and like nunchucks, pew, pew, and like pew, your pew. testicles just flew out and hit the enemies and destroyed them. Like that, that would have made imagine made my childhood. Animation, <laughs> yeah, animation like when you would like use the 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 suit and then like the the tail would go brr, brr, like that it'd just be like two nuts just going brr, brr. <laughs> when you fly your balls yeah. just wiggle <laughs> wow I can fly with the power of my helicopter balls <laughs> we're children yeah <laughs> we are just locker room children but oh, wait okay. there's more because i'm gonna talk about the tanuki tasuki 
That's right. Spirit possession can be caused by humans and ghosts, but frequently it is the work of animals with supernatural powers. One of the most common animal possessions in Japan is called the Tanuki Suki, which is a possession by Tanuki spirits. When the Tanuki possesses human beings, their vic victims develop strange new personality traits. One of the most common changes is gluttony. Victims become intensely hungry and eat, and eat, and eat, and even go so far as to eat spoiled and rotten food. Ooh. Although possession, possessed humans grow vast weights and become giant fat asses, all the nutrition goes to the Tanuki spirits. Victims, and not their balls? Yeah, not their balls. Victims <laughs> only grow weaker and weaker until they finally die from malnutrition. Other common symptoms of a Tanuki possession include unexplained illnesses, melancholy, uh, becoming overly talkative, sudden outbursts of violence, or abnormally increased libido. My name is Buck, and I'm here to fuck. Naughty Tanuki again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tanuki possesses humans for various reasons, but the common one includes revenge for destroying a Tanuki's den. Or simply, fuck them, I just want to pull a prank. In rare cases, some human families have harnessed the power of animal possessions for their own use. Some legends tell of people offering uh, food to old wild Tanukis, taming them, and then using their spirits to possess their enemies. And because Tanukis are powerful yokai, it is difficult to escape a Tanuki Tsuki. Either the Tanuki oh. must leave on its own will, or it must be driven out by a powerful Yambushi, priest, or Onomoji. Another solution is uh, to deify the Tanuki. A Tanuki elevated to the level of Kami will no longer possess humans. Many villages, particularly in Shikiyu, have built shrines to worship particularly troublesome Tanukis. Well, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. But wait, there's more. But wait. <laughs> but I'll wait, I'll let you do your part. You're all right, man. Just to wrap up on the Tanuki, there's also an anime from Studio, oh, God, I always pronounce this wrong, Ghibli, Ghibli, Ghibli? Ghibli yeah. about Tanukis called Pompoko. It's about a group of Tanuki that are threatened by a gigantic suburban development project back in the 1960s. Well, I haven't watched it yet. I apparently don't have it on my long list of digital uh, Studio Ghibli stuff, but I plan to. But apparently during the film, there's a giant parade of weird and traditional Japanese yokai, including the Shirimi, Ooh. that jumps out of a trash can and shows this little booty eyeball at the main character. So how's that for bringing things full circle? Yep. Uh, isn't I'm good. that on I'm Disney Plus? Isn't Studio Ghibli, isn't that on? Ooh, if it is, I'm watching that shit tonight, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watch cartoon Tanuki throw their balls at fucking... Yeah, that's where it's at. companies. <laughs> so bringing them back full circle, I'm going to go into a little art history time. So we, we talked about um, the artist uh, Udugawa Kinoshui, Kinoshi, mm -hmm. however you want to say it. Well, so not only did uh, that his you know original woodcut of the giant skeleton kind of you know start my love for Japanese folklore. HBO Max, by the way. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thanks. But. <laughs> okay, real quick, folks. 
Yeah, this next part is definitely NSFW, as things get pretty graphic in Preston's description of these Japanese paintings. So please, again, mute your headsets, uh, mute your speakers, turn the volume down low, whatever you got to do, because we don't need anybody getting in trouble. But yeah, fair warning, NSFW. Also, maybe put the kids to bed. Come to find out, he he was actually kind of like one of the first artists. So you get between 1842 to 1844. So that's kind of like in our time period, the, like the start of the Civil War. Like you got to think that far back, right? We didn't have comic books, but he was actually in the process of creating almost like a comic series and he would release like these different prints with little backgrounds and stories. And so in all actuality, he is really one of the first comic book artists Mm -hmm. and he made Tanuki's popular and he kind of after he just kind of, you know, Tanuki, Tanuki, Tanuki. And then what am I going to do now? Well, he started to work on a series of erotic paintings depicting human (laughs) genitalia as angry demons. Now, Uh, this series is either uh, is likely neither safe for work nor your sanity. Um, And I've included some, you know, some photos uh, for Sean to include in the Instagram. But I love the translation. So how this translates over to you know, English for us. And so I, I've decided to go ahead and just uh, do some of the translations for your listening pleasure. So first up, we have the pussy spirit of Kassane. Hmm. And you can uh, scroll down to the first photo there, and she's uh-huh. got, uh, you know, like uh, some pussy lips for eyeballs and some pussy <laughs> lips for lips. God. Yeah, yeah. And the next one, the cunt monk. That's right. Fucking it was what? a the cunt monk is literally what it's called, and it's about a spirit uh, that lives in the sea. And um, yeah, moving on, we have the consoli, consoling pussy of Horseface Mountain, sometimes called Monk Riot. The fucking hell! And it's got a penis for a nose. And maybe it looks like booty cheeks for a hat, and penises for eyes, and a vagina for a mouth. Yeah, and maybe you know octopusy for the of the Numerai River. Uh, that one's a you know a little odd. And then we got the penis skeleton. That's right. It is like our first yokai that we talked about, but it's a skeleton made up of penises with a boner. <laughs> getting ready, getting ready to do some damage. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, look I'm at that. I'm not laughing at the sexual assault. I'm just laughing at the boner <laughs> joke. Mercy. And then yeah, these are my, uh, not for the faint at heart. Yeah. My my favorite, Dripping Mountain. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then we have Sexy Prick, Big Pussy. Huh. These are wild. These are yeah. insane, dude. There's a lot of pent-up sexual frustration here. Yes. Um, yeah. Kinoyoshi isn't there, yeah. Yeah. He, he was just begging to be haunted, I think, by some of this shit. And... Huh. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was really amazing to find out uh, as I was doing research on some of the yokai that uh, he, 
he really had a love for that side of the artistry and um, he kind of took everything a step further. So he was kind of like, you know, the, the first comic book artist, so to speak. And mm -hmm. uh, then he hit everybody with this shit. Like, this was totally out of left field, but uh, <laughs> I, I dig it. So. Yeah, well, it's time to get some of these blown up, Preston, and framed and put them in your studio wall. Oh, I think so, yeah. And yeah. Then just tell the, the kids big, they can't big come big in Daddy's uh, recording studio. Yeah. Of, the, of the description, the translations of what they're called, too. Yeah, you definitely, fact. you definitely need Dripping Mountain. Yeah, yeah, Dripping Mountain would really. It's just two giant butt cheeks that are the size of a mountain with a vagina in the middle. Huh. Well, I'm gonna um, sit back in the driver's seat here and then give you a couple more of your special pills. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take things back over to the Tinju Kudari, which you guys can see. It looks like a very hairy um, hag dropping down from a ceiling tile here. In Japanese language, the yokai's name means from the ceiling or descending from ceiling. Specifically, it refers to an obscene, extremely ugly, naked old woman who drops down from the ceiling for no reason other than to just simply terrify the inhabitants. Throughout the world, attics are viewed as creepy and secretive places, and in many books and movies, they predominantly featured a dark attic trope to scare people. Well, within the land of the rising sun, there's also been long stories of unwanted family members being confined into attics, with the Tinju Kudari itself being the product of such ritual legends. So, yes, this thing is just a creepy, naked, older woman who has a snake-like tongue and drops out of the ceiling tiles just to yell at you and scare the living shit from you. And then we have the ever-popular Ashiari Yashiki. It's just a giant disembodied hairy leg that's filthy as it is terrifying, this yokai busts through your ceiling and refuses to leave until you wash it. That's right, folks. It's a giant disembodied leg that stomps around and breaks all your shit by kicking it and then begs you to give it a good wash, which is actually seen as demeaning in several cultures, which is a service it demands with a ghostly thunderous voice, WASH ME! One of the weirdest yokais ever, and undoubtedly one of the foulest too, Little else is known about this bizarre yokai. In fact, only one story is related to it. Related to it. In the story, a samurai residing in Edo-e, Old Tokyo, oh, in Edo, also known as Old Tokyo, was tormented by this creature night after night as it appeared and demanded the same leg-washing service every night. However, after the samurai swapped residences with a friend, the yokai never again appeared. So yeah, after he uh, moved out, it never happened again. So who knows if the samurai was haunted by this phantom leg or if it was just the house. Well, there you have it, folks. That is Yokai Part 2, also titled, let me scroll back up to the top of it here, uh, Who's Still Tickling Your Booty Hole? <laughs> Uh, all these episodes have alternate titles in the uh, document that never make it to the actual posting. That does it for episode 250, our second episode about Yokai. I just want to say a heartfelt thanks to all you listeners, too, 
who have either just now discovered us or have been listening since the very beginning, it sure does mean a lot. We have so much more, you know, planned ahead. So just stick with us. We'll give you guys some more information. With this episode, I believe our next episode, 251, I'm going to have Mark post that to the old feed, and then we will also have the new feed up by that time. We'll make some announcements on the social media. Like I said, the goal is to title the new podcast feed, just simply Pixelated Paranormal. Same logo, same icon, same information, and I should upload all 255 plus episodes to that feed, so you'll just have to resub, unfortunately. But... With that, we should be able to get back to some of those other podcasting services that somehow we got our feeds dropped on. So, some good, some bad. Yep. Yeah, we'll make it work. Yep. Most definitely. When that officially happens, just uh, people make sure you share it as much as possible. Yeah, That'll most definitely. Yeah, if for sure. Can. All right. Until next time, folks, please keep your eyes peeled on the social medias at PXL Paranormal on Instagram. Facebook will stay the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, any news on YouTube? Are we still just hovering right below 200? Oh, no. I just uh, I got on and checked it and fuck me. 200 even. Look at that. 200 subscribers on YouTube. So let's let's uh, keep that going. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And the YouTube upload should stay about the same. Um, We're a few episodes behind because, you know, Preston Preston had to, you know, injure his uploading hand. Yeah, yeah, and and the other thing is too. I also I don't uh, I don't like posting just the the news ones that we do. It's really really hard to kind of tag those and make it to mm-hmm. where when people search up a topic. Um, so typically the news ones, since they're shorter, I don't tend to put those on. So anything that's an actual topic like this one or any of our cryptid encounters, um, those uh, those are the ones that go up. Uh, so uh, I think right now it shows like 145 or 146 uh, videos, um, and we're at 250. So we've actually done about like 104, 110, something like that, uh, news episodes. So Holy shit, have we really? Wowzers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> working on that man that's tight yeah i yeah most definitely uh speaking of youtube new comment on episode 155 the vertical plane this is from lana reed dude i'm just trying to learn about this and you go and kill me with a Waterboy quote <laughs> i'm at work and laugh so loud people are looking at me like i'm crazy <laughs> you are welcome <laughs> awesome Hell yeah, that's that's terrific. Look, you know, you might not be able to have terrific testicles, super-powered balls, but let me tell you what you can have. You can have a super-powered, terrific beard. And the way to do that is to go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, Dundee Cedar, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, and Classic. 
And unlike all, all the other, you know, tanukis that are laughing at uh, Jerry for having small testicles, nobody's going to be laughing at you because your beard is going to be fucking amazing. You're going to be the talk of the town. So do yourself a favor. Go over to Dobbs and get yourself some beard balm and some beard oil and some tattoo balm as well because that shit's just as amazing as all the other crap that he has. There you go. Well said. All right. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. All righty. Well, there's nothing else I would love to say. Episode 250, thanks for all the memories. There's so many more to share with you guys. And until next time, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.